0: We start each of these episodes with some kind of like giggle, and I'm okay with that.
1: I'm totally okay with
0: that (laughs) too. All right, so um, welcome, welcome everyone. If this is your first time listening, I'm the captain. I'm Captain Chase McKinney, and I have my first officer of sorts, Commander Eric, with me. And um, with Engage, this is the um, like a subset of our main show where we go week by week with the original airings of sorts of a new Star Trek. So in this case, um, if the title didn't give it away, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery Season 3 Episode 2, Far From Home.
2: Yes, and and if we say it now instead of an hour into the podcast, this is not spoiler-free.
0: Thank you. I should probably put in like a red <laughs> alert like right here. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's, it's usually about an hour in where we make sure to remind. You.
0: <laughs> By the way, if you've made it this far, it's not spoiler free. Oh, I love it when a plan comes together. Okay, yeah. I mean, do, do you think we need? Do we need like that that like red alert sound that people know and love?
2: I mean I feel like people might think we're knocking off the ready room at that point because they always he always does that. Right? Oh yeah. What yeah. does he say? I think does he say black alert now for for discovery?
0: That might be it, yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, whatever. It is what it is.
2: Or or we should we should experiment with one of those sounds that Malcolm experimented with in that one episode of Enterprise, right? Where he was like all the crew was like obsessed with little details. Do you remember this episode? I do.
0: That was and man, that was early he, season one, wasn't it?
2: Uh yeah, it was like way back then. And he was like he was like <laughs> they didn't have a red alert yet where like the shields got automatically brought on. They didn't have shields. They polarized the whole plating. Love it. Yeah, and like he was experimenting with all different types of things <laughs> and and like different types of klaxons and it was pretty funny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Man, you're making me want to like go back and watch Enterprise again. I know I'm like in the minority with most with most Star Trek fans, but I love that show.
2: I do too. I really like it.
0: Man, man, oh man. Well, well, Eric, you were um, you were commenting on something just before we started this this recording. You were looking at my shirt. My eyes are up here, by the way. Okay. Yeah. My eyes are up hey, here. Oh. <laughs> up. and uh anyways I'm wearing a shirt and it just said and you're like what does that say set phaser to run or something like that
1: yeah
2: it looks like it said set phaser to run
0: yeah and it's it it's a shirt um, called and it says uh, set phasers to stun run and um, it's got like the old original phaser looking thing on it and it's a virtual 5k and Eric you asked the question what's a virtual 5k (laughs)
2: Yeah, how do you run a virtual? Do you just run on your treadmill in your house and you time yourself against other people? How does that work?
0: So I'm glad you asked, my friend. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> call me call me ignorant or naive or whatever, but I'm curious.
0: Yeah, yeah. So a virtual uh, a virtual run you can do anywhere. So like, um, to your point, yes, you can do it on a treadmill. Uh, most events will have. Like a designated like week, or just a designated time frame in which like people would ideally be doing it. So like let's say like May 1st through May 5th or something like that, or November 10th through the 15th or whatever. Um, it could be a week, could be two weeks. Um, it's all you know honor system basically is really what it boils down to. And there are some that will ask you to. Like actually record your time, like take a snapshot of it or snapshots, multiple snapshots, shots of it, and send it in, Um, and they'll, you know, send it to you. There's like those people that are like really, really guarded with that. Others, it's just like, hey, give us your money, we'll send you a bib, we'll send you a medal and a shirt type of thing, and it usually goes to a, a really good cause of some kind. Like some might benefit like a children's hospital or the national parks. Or something like that. So, um, I honestly can't remember what this one benefited. It was a while ago. Whenever it I doesn't did.
2: say it doesn't say on the shirt.
0: No, this this one it doesn't. No,
2: um, a lot a lot of times when you sign up for a road race, it'll like it'll have like the date and the location and a mm-hmm. bunch of that information on it.
0: This one, I think, um, this particular fundraiser, virtual run thing, was through it was like fandom running or something like that.com and they actually you can go back and uh, look at all their events and sometimes they still have stuff in stock so you can still do the run and buy the things and it'll still benefit the organization even if it's like way after the fact like um quick aside like with the the virtual fun run uh my wife and i when we had our our uh, anniversary our wedding anniversary recently we wanted to watch Die Hard um, at um, in the evening for for our anniversary. That's a, great,
2: that's a great anniversary movie.
0: I think so. <laughs> so did she. I mean, she wanted to watch it. Like we both want. So we went on this wild goose chase trying to find the Die Hard movies, um, and I finally found the whole thing on like the all. I think it's like four or five movies on Blu Ray. Uh, finally at Best Buy. You would think that like Target or Walmart would have it. Nope. I took the last one at Best Buy. It was fantastic,
2: but I've got I've got the Die Hard Ultimate Collection on DVD. Not even on Blu-ray, like on DVD. And the Ultimate Collection was just the four of them, right? Okay. Now I think there's six of them now.
0: So there's Die Hard, Die Hard, two, Die Dude, Hard, three, die yeah,
2: Die Hard with Vengeance.
0: Um, uh, and then
2: there's the one way later with uh, the apple guy, the guy from the apple. Justin computer, Long, yeah, Justin, Justin Long. Was that? um... It's called uh, a good live long and die. No, li- live free. No, uh, live free or die. Live free or die hard.
0: That sounds right.
2: And then there was like a good day to die hard. Okay. And then there was one that like wasn't even about him, but it was about his son. Is that mm-hmm. the one, is that A Good Day to Die Hard?
0: Yeah, that was the one, yeah, good. okay, so it was Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Live Free or Die Hard in 2007, and A Good Day to Die Hard in 13.
2: Okay, that's, so that's it, just the five? Yeah. Okay, so mine is the first four of them, just not even on Blu-ray, but on DVD. There we
0: go. Yeah, and it's great. I don't
2: think Blu-rays had, had, like, dominated the market back when that came out.
0: No. No, like you, you were rolling in the dough, man. If you could afford Blu-ray, I'm just saying.
2: Well, I think we were still in the the, the high-def war between Blu-ray and HD DVD. Yeah. Back then, no one was no one wanted to commit to one of them because no one knew who would win.
0: Right, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, so,
2: kid, so kids, if you're young, you don't remember the great HD wars of like 2008, 2009. <laughs> it was a real thing trust me
0: man I, I would love to to like just go into like a like a half price books or like one of those like vintage movie stores or whatever and just go and find like a movie trading company um like they have those in texas i don't know if, the, if that's just a texas thing or not but uh, go in there and just try and find uh, an HD DVD, like, I think it was like a maroon case or something like that.
2: Yeah, they're, they're red or maroonish or yeah. something like
0: that. Yeah, yeah. But, that'd be funny. Anyway, so my point was with this shirt, we found a diehard fun run. Um, virtual fun run thing. And it was called the um, Yippee-Ki-Yay Mother 5K. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's... That is genius Like I wish I had come up with that
0: (laughs) I think I broke Eric
2: (laughs) I'm sorry go on go on
0: so we got it and I mean a 5k is nothing for me like I like walk I walk that like daily basically um so like I ordered it I went and I just I found a trail and and, in fact Michelle and I we went and found a trail and we just hiked a 5k and we're like okay well we earned our medals we're good and um spoilers for anyone that might want a Christmas card for me that shirt might be in our Christmas card this year I'm just saying
2: I mean, Die Hard is a Christmas movie right? It is there, there are two types of people in this world Those that think Die Hard is a Christmas movie And those who are wrong <laughs> Right? Absolutely
0: <laughs> Die Hard 2 is a Christmas movie also
2: Yeah, it takes place the very next year
1: mm-hmm.
2: And Sloan is in
0: Die Hard, Die Hard 2. 2 Yeah.
2: Yep, he is Sloan is one of the bad guys again in Die Hard 2
0: Yep, so is Chief O'Brien, but he's not a bad guy He's a pilot in Die Hard 2. Yeah,
2: he is the pilot of the plane. Yep. Yep. So
0: See, we brought it back to Star Trek, y'all. We're good. We're good. (laughs) Full circle. We're good. Full circle. So uh, anyway, so that that was that. Um, I'd encourage y'all to, like, you know, if if you have a fandom um, besides Trek, you know, look into these fun runs. And you know what? Maybe we should, like, maybe somewhere down the road, maybe not right now, but down the road, we should organize, like, our own fun run and benefit someone. I don't know. I'm just saying.
2: It could be fun. Yeah. Why not? It could be fun. Yeah.
0: Create some cool shirts and uh, rock them, that sort of thing, on these fun runs. So, uh, speaking of of shirts, before we start to, um, you know, really get into the material and talk about the episode today, we are developing some merch Um, In the form of like shirts and sweatshirts and leggings and coffee cups and totes and stickers and you name it, we're probably going to make it. So uh, if you're interested, please leave us a comment on like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or something and let us know that you want it and we'll let you know whenever it's ready type of thing. Um, Anyway, Eric, now that I've broken you with um, the name of that. I'm back.
2: I'm, I'm back. I'm back. You're totally good. I'm totally good.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, um, how have you been this last week since we we, for, we first talked about uh, the season premiere?
2: I'm I'm good. I'm good. Like, life is good for me. I'm doing very, very well. Sweet. Sweet. How are you doing? Hanging
0: in there. Hanging in there. It's cold, man. We just had a, a wicked cold snap down here in... In, um Texas we have we don't have it like those bio it controls doesn't, down. it
2: doesn't get cold in Texas
0: it's like 30 degrees right now
2: no I don't believe you it doesn't get cold in Texas
0: <laughs> just wait till Tuesday Tuesday is supposed to be really cold
2: <laughs> well well I mean funny story uh my niece I have a niece my brother's daughter she's four now but like last Christmas she was three obviously Um... But she's lived her whole life in either California or Texas, you know, where it doesn't snow. Mm-hmm. But she loves watching, like, Christmas things. Um, Rudolph and Frosty and all that stuff. Yeah. And I was down there last Christmas, and they live in San Antonio, and it does not snow in San Antonio ever. And she was just like, well, if when does it snow? And I'm like, it doesn't snow down here. And she's like, if it doesn't snow, how will Santa know when to come?
0: That is a very good point.
2: And I was like, bless your heart, little one. But it doesn't get cold in Texas. That's the point of that story. <laughs> I don't believe you that it's 30 degrees.
0: Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was... Well, yesterday was Friday. Saturday, whatever. So at the time, we're recording on Saturday morning, by, by the way, y'all. So you're listening to this on Sunday morning, hopefully. Um, or Sunday or Monday or next, you know, century. Um, but, you know, on... Thursday it was like 90 or 80 degrees in the Fort Worth area and then Thursday night we had Thursday night we had a a pretty bad rainstorm and like it brought the temperatures like way down to like 60 something like we had like a 30 degree drop like that and then overnight it went from like I think it was like 60 or 70 I think um, actually it was 60 or 70 when we woke up in the morning but then by like like two hours later like at 9 a.m it was it was bad it was like 40 and then by the end of the day it was like 35 or something and it's still cold
2: well i mean that's what you get texas i guess that's like, what you get <laughs> like like you get to enjoy your all your warm weather like you have to get a taste of what it's like to be cold every now and then
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yippee-ki-yay. All right. Well, um, enough with the the weather stuff. Uh, David Fogel, uh, Commander David, is not going to be hanging out with us today to talk about this particular episode. He um, is at Starfleet Medical taking care of some dentistry stuff. Um, So he'll be back aboard um, to talk about this stuff. Um, hopefully next episode and um, if not if not that he'll be back very soon so um, he's still around whether he he wants to be or not so um anyway Eric let's I guess let's talk about this episode again you know you know 15-ish minutes in to this episode not spoiler free at all nope. not spoiler free so um we're going to be talking in about, um, like I said, episode two of season three of Discovery, Far from Home, and you know the first week we had uh, um, the Michael Burnham story, basically, and now this week we basically have the Discovery story, and that's and that's kind of where we're at. Like we we essentially start like at the same point in time of arrival, so to speak. However, you want to slice that.
2: Uh, exit from the wormhole. Yeah
0: basically. I mean, it's, it's wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff, so... Anyway. I
2: I just have to say, um, I am willing to admit when I'm wrong, and I want to say right now, right off the top, that I was wrong about something. And at the end of last week, last episode, we had talked, and I said, when do you think we're going to get the discovery? When do you think it's going to come in? And... David said I think that's going to be episode two and I was like I think that's what episode two should be that's what I want episode that's what I want episode two to be but I really did think that um episode two was going to be one more Michael Burnham story and then we weren't going to get the discovery till episode three and I also said that I didn't think we were going to get just a discovery centric episode where them showing up I thought they were gonna be here and somehow Burnham and the Discovery were gonna run into each other. So I did not think we were gonna get this type of episode. Mm. So I just wanna say I'm wrong. I was wrong. Like I'm I'm right a lot of the time. I can pretty much figure out what's gonna happen a lot of the time. But when I'm wrong, I'm gonna I'm willing to admit it, and I okay. was wrong.
0: Okay. Well it's recorded now. So we we it's have recorded. we have a rec- we have a recording of it. It's a recorded event. Eric has admitted when he was wrong. Yeah. I'm I'm making I'm willing
2: it willing to do it. You're right, write this down, right? What when did this happen? <laughs> <laughs>
0: on this day in podcast history. Okay. I'll shut up now. Um so this episode, again, we were this is Discovery focused, uh, the ship focused on um, and what happens is just a quick synopsis. Discovery has emerged from the wormhole that they had entered at the end of season two and they are falling. They're falling essentially out of orbit, they've lost all sorts of control, everyone's been knocked out, they're coming to their senses, and they have to somehow do a barrel roll. Do a barrel roll. Yeah, and Turn uh,
2: the ship upside down, yeah. yeah.
0: And, uh, and from there, um, they have to fix the ship so that they can still continue their search for Michael Byrne. That's a very, um, very brief synopsis of it and then shenanigans of course ensue along the way.
2: Um, Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah, that's like like lazy plot, right? Explanation, right? Thank you. You know how some No, 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 that wasn't meant to be an insult. That wasn't like sometimes people say, give me your lazy plot, which is like just hit the broad the broad strokes, right? Like the reader's digest version, I guess. Like where Mm -hmm. you just hit hit the (laughs) Hit the highlights without going into details. Right, you've never heard of like, like that when people just like review movies, they're like lazy plot. And I, they just give well, you like a sentence or two.
0: No, I've never heard that term before. So I feel like a horrible person right now. I've oh, heard no. of I've heard of like, hey, give me the Reader's Digest version, which is, but or not give, like.
2: Give me the Cliff Notes or something. Yeah,
0: I've heard that like Spark Notes, Cliff Notes, Reader's Digest, but not.
1: Not lazy.
2: Or in plot. Canada, in Canada, I think they call it Coles Notes or. Something like that. Somewhere it's called Cole's Notes.
0: If you're in Canada, can you confirm this for us, please? <laughs> wait a second. We, wait, wait, we know people in Canada. I mean, people that film, film in Canada, right? I mean, like Hanel Culpepper, who told us about the Rustican flute in Picard. I mean, maybe if she goes there, she can tell us. I'm just maybe. saying. <sighs> okay. So... So, like I said, we we the, the whole crew's been knocked out, and they are falling to this unknown planet, which we later kind of learn doesn't really have a name. It's just kind of referred to as the colony. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I guess I guess that'll work.
2: I guess that'll work, you know.
0: And every everyone's clapping. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, Saru's coming to his senses, telling everyone, hey, get to your stations, and um, Kayla, Lieutenant Kayla Detmer, which I'm so happy that, you know, the bridge crew got some time to shine. Like, for real.
2: No, I I think that one of the... I've got a lot of problems with Season 1, and I'll save it for the Eric Rants about Discovery Season 1 episode that we mentioned last week. <laughs> like, um, but one thing that season what happened in season one we didn't even like know who these people were like as big of a fan as i am i had no idea who the names of any of these bridge characters were and i think i think the producers and the writers knew that that was a problem because like in season two episode one when pike shows up on the bridge he's like roll call <laughs> like everyone say your name and I think that was on purpose because the producers, like, knew that none of us had any idea who these people were. Mm-hmm. And so I liked in season two, they actually tried to make these people characters, right? They let Awusakun go on the away mission to New Eden. Uh, they tried to give us this story with Arium, which to me, like, felt fake and manipulative. But, like, they tried to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And they tried to make it seem like there was more camaraderie with this group. And I really like this this at the beginning here where I feel like I, we're going this is going to be a story throughout this season with Detmer, Kayla, our our helmsman. Right? There's something's going on here whether it's PTSD or something's wrong with however she, however she ended up with that scar. I'm still not exactly sure how she got that, but I hope that this is going to be something that continues and we're going to get some more story out of her.
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm yeah I liked I just I really liked the, the whole development of the of the bridge crew um, just, just this episode and the fact that and I feel kind of silly saying this like the fact that you know not that Saru wouldn't but the fact that the captain actually listened to their other officers like Saru was like suggestions what's going on and she, uh, her and um, owusu like, they make their recommendation. They're like, all right, do it.
1: Do
2: it, yeah.
0: And I liked it. It, it, it felt very good.
2: No, I mean, this might be jumping the gun on, on the discussion of this particular episode. But I really like Saru. I think he's by far the strongest character that they've created for this show. And to see where he was in season one, episode one, to see where he is now, he's a captain as far as I'm concerned. He's no longer Commander Saru. Like what he's gone through and like how he acquits himself in this episode, he's a captain, right? He's not He's not a commander. He's not a first officer anymore. And I really enjoy Saru. And I feel like we'll talk about a lot of why that gets there throughout the rest of this episode.
0: I think so too. And yeah, um, I'm right there with you with, with Saru. Like the fact that he starts out like as this scaredy cat and very tentative person character. Right. Um, and now we, here we are episode two of season three and we're like, yeah, buddy. Yeah. And, um, especially when we get to, um, the bar apartment or whatever that thing is
1: the that they're cantina. Saloon. Yeah. do,
0: do, 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 um okay. So they they all crash and Saru is like, "Hey, we need to um, we need to start repairs. Everyone hang out." Hold on,
2: hold on, hold on. Let's talk about the crash for a second. Okay, fine. Um I actually thought this was a really weak crash here. I really didn't like it. I mean, in Star Trek, there are two crashes. I think that stand out to me above anything else. We've seen ships crash before, but there are two of them that are really highlights for me. One of them is in the Voyager episode, Timeless, Timeless. Which, which I think is the best episode of Voyager. Um, which is fantastic, like, to see Voyager crash land into the ice. They crash land into ice there. Um, and it was really impactful. Like, the ship basically like broke apart and then skidded along the ice. And they mention in the future that, like, a big part of the crew died instantly in that crash when they went on impact. And you like see it hit and like do this little jump and skitter and slide to And it was very impressive. And that episode came out in 1998, 99? I, 98, 99. More than 20 years ago.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: More than 20. And that. The CGI there looked way better than the CGI did here. I thought this was... Throughout this entire episode, I thought the CGI was terrible. I'm just going to throw that down right now. I don't know what happened. Why, like, did they not have enough... Did they need their money elsewhere later in this show? But the CGI in this episode was terrible. And when the ship crashed here, it was like... I didn't like it at all.
0: Hmm. This was... Um, so, yeah, Timeless came out in 98...
2: Okay, so yeah, twenty two years ago and the CGI looked way better there than it does here. Yeah. Did you did you do you agree? Do you what do you think about that?
0: I don't know I don't CGI. think I was paying that much attention to the CGI if I'm being honest with you. The I think the only in terms of CGI I will say this. It was the ice. The yeah, when, It
2: when was the ice, the parasitic ice starts to eat the ship. It looked terrible at the end.
0: That that I think that was the only thing that I that did catch my eye. Um in the CGI realm, but, like, the crash itself, not so much. And I I honestly hadn't even thought about Timeless. Um, I mean, I, like, in this context, right? Like, um, but now that you say it, I'm like, yeah, like, Voyager, they got done messed up. And yet we have, like, you know, a dozen or however many, some odd people that got some scrapes and scratches and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, this, and, then- and, and this is also taking place what is it, like uh, roughly a hundred-ish years before Voyager? Or, I'm sorry, the the crew and the technology is a hundred some odd years before Voyager.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I guess the other crash is Star Trek Generations. Yep. Right When the Enterprise-D crashes onto Viridian 3, mm-hmm. um, which is... I love that movie. I love that movie. And there are a lot of things to love about that movie, but that's probably like the grand set piece from the entire film when the enterprise crashes and it's like four or five minutes long, that crash scene. And it shows the bridge and it shows everybody flying over, but then it shows what happens at the other part of the ship and how you've got all the kids on there that are hiding and, You've got all the people that are still running around and trying to take cover. And then it switches to the outside and you see the ship just basically its momentum until friction has to come over, make it stop. And then as soon as it stops, like you look back and you see this like miles long swath of like land that it's just cut through this planet as it's crashed. And it's amazing to see that. But here, okay, ship crashes, cut to credits. It's like, there's no impact of this crash for me. And it mm. didn't, work, didn't work for me.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. And, you know, like, they have to make it work, right? Because we know that... Disco- anyway.
2: Yes, the Enterprise D was lost when it crashed. Like, no, no coming back. But Discovery can't be lost when it crashes here.
0: Well, to your point, like, with both timeless and generations both ships were lost depending on how you look at it right um but yeah we have we have to keep discovery around for reasons that's okay
2: for reasons yeah
0: mm-hmm. um okay so do you want to keep on trucking
1: yeah okay
0: do it um the, i don't know if we really need to camp out like with every single thing because like basically what happens next is like Let's get to work and start fixing stuff. Like, we, communications are down, and uh, power, right? I think those are the two things.
2: Yeah, communications and power. Yeah,
0: communications and power are the two main things that we need to fix. So, uh, I think it was Rice?
2: It's Re. It's, well, it's Bryce. Bryce Bryce is the communications officer, and Reese is the is the tactical officer.
0: Right, They the names are just way too close for me. to keep Bright, them Bryce and Reese, yeah.
2: yeah. Black uh, guy, Asian guy. <laughs>
0: and they're like standing right next to each other too, <laughs> on the bridge. Well, uh, they're on
2: opposite sides of the bridge. Are they? Yeah. Like, if I'm in the captain's chair looking at the view screen, tactical's on my left, Should communications be. is on my right.
0: They seem like they're, they're next to each other. Okay, anyways. So, the names I always get confused on. Um... Uh, he pulls out like a freaking thermos saying, hey, we need to replace this. <laughs> <laughs> Here, let's let's get a replacement uh, thermos and we'll be good to go. And then we just need to, um, by the way, fix this little rubber band stretchy accordion thing and we're good.
1: <laughs>
0: two parts of two, just two parts that need to be replaced out of a ship that just hit some freaking asteroid debris something or another in the upper atmosphere crashes across an ice field and about to fall fall off a cliff with parasitic ice and all we need to do is change out a freaking thermos and an accordion rubber band thing and we're good to go again.
2: I'm sure there was more to it than that. It's just that we they don't have the time to show us every single repair.
0: You're right. There was a guy welding the ceiling.
2: I didn't th- I didn't see that. Oh,
0: like, whenever um, whenever Saru is is make, uh, um, making his repair tour, it cuts to this person, like, on a ladder or something, and they're, like, doing, like, some welding okay. up on the ceiling on one of the decks. But,
2: I mean, I mean, they do say, let's replace the EPS relays on deck 6, and then deck 4, and then deck 8. So they are affecting repairs all over the ship.
0: All right, fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, the two things we see, right?
0: Yep, a new coffee thermos and an accordion. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, but but I will say throughout this whole um, repair scene and all of the early scenes on the Discovery, um, as I said with Saru here, whenever he's confronted by Georgiou, Georgiou is trying to assert her authority. You know, she's used to like being the emperor and people do what she says or they get boom, boom, exploded, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And Saru stands up to her every time and says, listen, I am in charge here. You are not in charge here. Like what I say is what we do, not what you say. And this confidence that he is just gaining by continuing to stand up to her is really really impressive and it happens here there's the two scenes here where they're in the hallway and then where they're in the the ready room are really fantastic yeah and i really hope that georgia's entire storyline this this season is not just to be antagonistic to saru because that would be really annoying Mm -hmm. really quickly Mm -hmm. but i i like it here but i hope that it doesn't continue
0: yeah and there was a part of this episode that I really did like that involved uh, Georgiou, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, but with the antagonism and everything, like I think we, we see that first in the hallway, um, we also see it in um, the captain's ready room, um, and then we again see it later on, uh, once we get to the cantina, uh, where a lot of the episode really takes place, I guess um but with that we, Tilly is I don't I don't know what's, what to say about Tilly um I liked her for a moment on the bridge with the with the crash but then it just kind of it was like waxing and waning for me with Tilly um as the episode went on and maybe maybe that's a little soon to be doing like a character critique but I'm just throwing it out there
2: yeah, Tilly's a strange character. Um, season 1 Tilly is maybe the most annoying character I've ever seen. More annoying than Neelix. Even though I like Neelix, but people always call him an annoying character. Um, yeah, it's weird here because there's the scene where they're in the ready room and she's trying to like give her report and Georgiou just goes off on her. And she's like, seriously, what the... And, you know, the show cuts her off right before she...
0: Which I liked.
2: says the F-word, yeah. Like, even though, like, in Season 1, they, like, let her drop the F-word, I think. I don't know if, like, them holding back from this is a lot of the pushback they got on Picard when Picard was dropping F-bombs, and people were, like, really not enjoying it. So I don't know if they it's possible that into account right if they were like okay i get people don't want us to to do that but she was like georgie was just on her and she's like seriously what the and she's like trying to stand up for herself so i like that um and i do kind of like some of the things tilly does later in this episode
1: Mm -hmm.
2: but i don't think she's ever gonna be the character that i'm like fully in love with
0: Mm -hmm. yeah So where do you want to go next with our discussion?
2: Well, um, Saru picks Tilly to go with her, right? Mm -hmm. To go with him. And when they're walking along the outside, again, it looks just like Iceland. Like the landscape looks just like it did last week because obviously they're filming in the same location. That's a small gripe about this episode. But I do like this conversation that Saru and Tilly have here. And again, this this feeds into the Tilly growth arc and the Saru becoming a captain. Right? Tilly's just talking. She's a talker. She's a she's a nervous talker, right? And she's like, I'm sorry, I talk when I'm nervous, I talk when I'm afraid. And Saru's like, I know you do. But keep talking. Like, like, I want you to keep talking. And it's like. He knows that's going to help her and that's what she needs and he's being that encouraging captain in this moment and he says and he's like t- till he says why did you choose me he's like i needed an engineer well discovery is full of engineers i needed one i trust and we're about to make first contact with people and there's no better representative than you there's nobody who who has that that hope and that optimism and nobody that I want to make a better first impression than you. And I don't know if he fully believes that, but he knows that's what Tilly needs to hear in that moment. And that's being the captain that I imagine, that not that I imagine, but that's being the captain that we've seen Picard be. That's being the captain that we've seen Sisko be. That's being the captain that we've seen Janeway being, is that encouraging and building up Her crew,
0: absolutely. Or
2: his crew, or their crew.
0: Yeah, I, I like, I did like the that little walk and talk that they had, with, um, with her, her fear and, like, just how she was like processing this, the like, the future basically, like whatever future they're in, Uh, which they don't even know they're in the future at this point. They could have been in the past for all they knew yeah again wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff but I I did see the captain coming out and but more than more than just the conversation it was Saru's stature like the way that he was holding himself like he had like a really good I don't know captain vibe I mean I don't know how else to say it like he just had a really good captain like posture that is that making sense
2: no, it totally makes sense, yeah.
0: Um, so I did, I did, I liked it, I didn't love it, but I did like that conversation. Um, just because, like, I'm just at that point sometimes where I'm like, okay, shut up, Tilly. Saru's right, but please shut up.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, if, I, it's like, if, if shut t- up,
2: Wesley. Shut up, Tilly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and if you're a Tilly fan, good, good for you. Okay, just I don't, I don't hate her, but I don't love her either.
2: Like, like, do you like you watch the Ready Room after after this episode, right?
0: I did not get a chance to to know.
2: Oh, okay. Well, Will Wheaton on there is like tilly is my favorite character in the history of star trek oh
0: oh that yeah i've seen that before
2: yeah yeah yeah. well no he he said because mary wiseman is on the ready room here and he's like tilly is my favorite character in the history of star trek because i see myself in tilly and i'm like i don't believe you will Wheaton. i believe you might see a little bit of yourself in her But I don't believe that for one second that she's your favorite character. Mm -hmm. I think you're just saying that because you're interviewing her here. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember how much Will Wheaton was gushing over Elnor when he had Evan Evagora on the Ready Room. And I'm like, really, Will Wheaton? You're gushing over Elnor? (laughs) And it's like, I feel like he has the tendency... I think he's a great host of the Ready Room. I think he has some good questions. But at a certain point, I feel like gushes over these characters too much in these interviews
0: well he's I mean he said like I think a similar thing about like like you said um, Evan Evagora with Picard but I kind of swore he's like done that he's done that on lower decks he's done that um, with Picard and he's done that I'm pretty sure he's done that like on season 1 and 2 of Discovery where he's said stuff on the ready room if I'm not mistaken
2: well, I don't think he's hosted the Ready Room for Discovery until this season.
0: I could have swore he did um he, he
2: did at le- a, there, I thought he did at least season 2. There wasn't a Ready Room for season 1 of Discovery. I don't think they started it till season 2. And I don't think he was the host of it.
0: We'll get back to y'all in Listenerland on this one. Yeah. But I could have I could have I could be completely high or something, but I I remember him saying something like that before with Tilly um so obviously I haven't seen the ready room because like you and I were both on the struggle bus with kind of with finding it basically like I was legit looking for the ready room episode Thursday when it came out right and I didn't see it in fact with like lower decks like with that ready room I found it on YouTube and that's in fact where I pointed you. I'm like, hey, just go to YouTube, see if it's there. And sure enough, yeah, it, was, it was there. It
2: wasn't on. It wasn't on my CBS All Access. I had to get. You, you had to be like, yeah, go look at YouTube. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so let's let's um let's talk a little bit about this cantina because I think for the re- the rest of it, it's cantina and then it's engineering basically, and yeah. that's the, it.
2: They they felt a need to force this B plot on us, which totally is boring and not interesting as
0: far as I'm concerned so Cantina um, Saru um, yeah
2: no go ahead okay go. Saru
0: and Tilly they, they follow the the mysterious stranger across the, the vastness of the field and the wide open whatever mysterious planet that they're on and the guy just disappears personal transporter type of thing and they are just whisked away they are spirited away and end up in this cantina um, and I just thought it was so cheesy man like it was just so stinking cheesy just like watching it like the bartender like doing like the little little thing on like the the bar and then like the like the people just sitting there at the table just minding their own business not saying a dang thing and then they're looking around then these guns these phasers whatever start coming out and I'm like Am I watching like a spaghetti western or something like what the heck's going on right now? And then and then much and then later on like just the whole entrance of uh Zara, Zara, Zara. The bad guy of the show of the episode. Did I hurt your feelings on something with how I was describing something?
2: Chase, my friend, I love you, but you are so wrong about everything you just said in the past minute. You are so wrong.
1: I'm
0: so wrong.
2: Okay, listen. Star Trek was pitched by Gene Roddenberry. I know, it, wagon, wagon train trained to
0: the stars. I know this.
2: It was pitched as a space Western. I know this. Okay? Star Trek has done many episodes featuring Western motifs. The original series has an episode called Specter of the Gun, where basically the bridge crew went back to the OK Corral, the gunfight. They were the, the Clanton gang. Um, Not the Clanton gang, the whatever, the cowboy gang, whatever. The, no, the Clanton gang, that's right. Um, You know, obviously, The Next Generation did Fistful of Datas. Yes, they did. Right? A play on Fistful of Dollars. The amazing Clint Eastwood <laughs> Man with No Name movie, Spaghetti Western. Um, Enterprise did an episode called North Star, which is basically about an alien race that kidnapped a bunch of humans. And there's like this little Western town in, in the expanse. And you are wrong because Star Trek is a space Western. And I love Westerns. I love Westerns. It doesn't matter what it is. Is it fistful of dollars? Is it the good, the bad, and the ugly? Once upon a time in the West, Uh, Red River High Noon, you know, uh, Stagecoach, um, True Grit, whatever it is. Um, I love Westerns. And Firefly, which is a space Western, um, this scene is pure gold. Everything about this cantina scene is pure gold, right? (laughs) It's not cheesy. It's not cheesy at all those those batwing saloon doors are like i was like yes like i'm watching (laughs) this this and like like there's always like the slow motion like when the when the random stranger walks into town and he walks into the saloon the bartender always looks up from polishing his bar Mm -hmm. right and then when the bad guys walk in there's always you always see like the bad guy's feet first and then they pan up and this bad guy here is wearing Spurs a thousand years into the future our space bad guy is wearing Spurs and I love that jangling Spurs sound as it hits the hits the floor it is amazing everything about this is gold
0: I love it <laughs> <laughs> okay but still like you didn't get a single bit of cheese
2: no no
0: not a single bit of cheese like gouda
2: nope.
0: mozzarella nope.
2: nope because I love it okay I love it okay I mean listen push me hard enough I might give you a little bit okay like maybe but only because old westerns were cheesy because they were so formulaic and you know, I mean, like, you, the, they're, they're, what to expect?
0: I mean, like, here's the thing like, they're, they're the bartender's there, he's doing his thing. The, the, the folks, you know, they're, they're sitting at their tables and they see Saru and Tilly coming in, and then they just start slowly pulling out their little phaser things. Like, come on, man.
2: Chase, have you ever seen a Western?
0: I have seen a Western. <laughs>
2: Like, is that not what happens? It in is Ever- what happens. Yes, it like, is. That's totally the point.
0: Okay, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on the cheese, I guess. I, but I, let me say this: like, if I can redeem myself in any way, I did love what happened in the cantina. I'm just saying, like, the way that that like we're entering in, it was just a little cheesy for me. I can I can appreciate it. But it was just cheesy. I don't hate it, Eric. I'm not a, I'm not a horrible person. I do have a heart, for crying out loud. It just... I mean, I'm not going to yuck your yum, man. I mean, I'm glad you liked it. I, I mean, I liked it too, but not as much as you. It's just kind of cheesy. It was just cheesy for me. That was it. Just a little cheesy, but not like Saturday morning cartoons cheesy. I'm not going to go that far.
1: Okay, Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough.
0: Can we still be friends?
2: Yes. Yes, we can. Oh, whew. That was close. No, but you're right. Like what happens in this scene in this is like very interesting because mm-hmm. you know, we we took this journey with Michael Burnham last week where we talked about true believers and you know a book calls Michael Burnham a true believer. You know, she believes in ghosts and you know she talks about all these other people that haven't been able to let go and accept the Federation is not around. And then we see our liaison officer, Adita Sahil, um, who has that same thing. He's like, hope is a powerful thing. And we see it here with these people. And this guy, Cal, I guess his name is, he's like, I knew the Federation was still out there. Like, I never gave up hope. And I think that that is really fascinating as well.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I have, um, maybe like a, uh, it's not a theory, kind of just, just a thought on like this whole bit, like with technology thing, like last week with like the, all the trinkets, like, you know, the, the vintage tricorder and phasers. And, um, even this week we get like basically the same thing with Saru and company here at the cantina. I don't know if now is the right time to talk about it or if I should wait till the end. Um, We'll just see where it goes, okay? So if anyone hates me after this, I'm sorry. I'll just forgive me later, I guess. But I might be thinking too much into this, Eric, but I'm really seeing, to me, I'm seeing this almost critique of Star Trek within Star Trek. It's very meta to me. Um, And what I mean by that is we want the old but we want to use it for however the heck we want to use it type of thing um, and this this tug of war of we want your technology, we want the things that came before us that we can no longer have but we're going to do with it whatever the heck we want to do with it we don't care about your ideals and your virtues and etc cetera, etc cetera. and I think that's that's a lot of like what Um, older fans um, and that includes us um, might view when it comes to the JJ's and the Kurtzman's of Star Trek like we might view them as you want our stuff you want the good stuff that we have and we're willing to share it with you but at the same time we think that you're just wanting to use it for your own devices and completely turn it into something like an almost an abomination of what it used to be, so maybe I maybe I was just too heady on that, but that was kind of what I was seeing between the first episode and even the second one with, with the cantina with um, Zara once he pops up. You
2: no, know, I think I think maybe you're right. How how they take pieces of technology and they use them in ways that have they've never been used in before, and a lot of us old guard, and I would put ourselves in the old guard, right? <sighs> We, like, you know, right? We, like, th- that doesn't do that. That piece, that thing does not do that. You can't just make up stuff that that thing can do. That thing has a purpose, and it can't do that. And I, I see what you're saying there. And I think that maybe these new people making it are acknowledging that at, to some degree. But they're saying, but also in the end they're saying, like, we're going to keep doing it
1: because mm-hmm. yeah. you
2: know Alex Kurtzman is JJ Abrams' best friend
1: mm-hmm.
0: so I mean that's if that, I mean that's us giving them credit you know for thinking that meta-y about like this critique right like if that, if that even was their intention it could have just been like no we weren't even thinking that we just needed a story type of thing Anyways, I feel like I'm getting us off track, but I couldn't I mean both both times that I was watching the episode, um that's what that's what came to mind was was this whole thing of like you know, us original fans, like we love our stuff. We know how it works, you know, to varying degrees of how things work in our understanding of it. We're willing to share, like we're like kind of like a Saru. Like, yeah here, have some dilithium type of thing. We want to help you out. And then we have, like, the Zaras that are like, no, you're going to give us more because this wasn't a question, it was a statement type of thing. So, you're going to give us what we want. And you're going to like what comes from it. So, I don't know. i probably just tick some people off, but that's okay. Just my opinion.
2: Listen, if you're not... If you're not
0: thinking on Star Trek, something's wrong. I'm just saying.
2: But, but... If all you ever do is try and make people happy, you're probably not doing your job. Because if if you're going to be really, like, out there and expressing your opinions, you're going to piss people off, right? It's just going to happen. And I think if Star Trek didn't piss people off, then it wouldn't be doing its job. Mm -hmm. If all it did was play it safe and just try to make something that, like everyone was going to love first of all i don't think it's possible to make something that everyone is going to love but if all you ever do is try and play it safe then i don't think you're doing your job you're not going to make you know you're not going to make what start what made star trek great and is that progressive forward thinking Mm -hmm. so go ahead piss people off right it's probably a good it's probably a good (laughs) thing
0: you've all been put on notice in listener land
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't I don't I don't care I'll piss people off like you know I'm not worried
0: well okay so um you
2: can be you can be good cop I'll be bad cop
0: okay I feel like I should put some music on right now I'm good (laughs) I'm good all right so um there's so much to talk there's so much to talk about like with there's a lot that happens in the cantina a lot that happens in the cantina in like the span of like was it like maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes of yeah. the episode thereabouts
1: mm-hmm. and a good chunk
0: yeah it's a good third at least of of the episode spent in this cantina and we meet Cal um, who is kind of tentative of of the crew when we first meet I mean rightfully so I suppose and I want to. I want to just mention, like, whatever his species is. I don't think it was revealed to us what his species.
2: Yeah. Corodon.
0: Okay. So like, their species reminds me of, um, um, the Sona in Insurrection a little bit. Like what their like the way their face looks. Like I realized they were like really stretchy, but like it was mainly like the lips and like some of like the the forehead that kind of reminded me. And if anyone's ever seen Doctor Who, the The Mars um, creatures in Waters of Mars. Like, combination of those two. Reminded me of them.
2: I've never seen that, but you do know who the Corridons are, right?
0: I don't think I do, though.
2: Well, okay, so in the TOS episode, Journey to Babel, Oh, um, that's right. Corridon is the planet that they're debating entering into the Federation.
0: That's right.
2: And and we never see a Corridonite in that episode. But we do... I think the first time we ever see Corridonites is in Enterprise. There are several episodes where we see, like, you know, at the end of Enterprise when they're meeting on Earth to That's discuss right. like the starting of the Federation. They There's, like, a Corridon delegate there.
0: I need to fire myself from this podcast.
2: Well, I mean, like we can't all have encyclopedia knowledge like I do inside this big brain of mine.
0: Thanks, Eric. <laughs> all right.
2: And so I from what I understand about cordons, they're supposed to have like turtle like features. Okay. And like that's what like is supposed lay these cordonites look a little bit different than the cordonites we've seen before, but that's, you know, nine hundred more years of evolution. Yeah. And that's also, you know, discovery. Every alien species looks different than it's looked in the past, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually looking at Memory Alpha. And how about that? All right, I'm firing myself, guys. This is the last episode of of, uh, These are the Voyages and Engage. We're done. (laughs) We're done. Oh, shoot. Okay. But... Okay, so just take what I said with a grain of salt, then. But like, still, like it reminded me a little bit of the makeup of, um, of the Sona in Insurrection, just a little bit.
2: No, I can see that. I can see that. Sure.
0: So, all right. Well, let's let's go through the spaghetti western then. You're our
2: western expert. Well, um, you know, bad guys walk into a bar, right? And like these guys run the town and they instill fear killed the sheriff or they've killed the US marshal or whomever right and these bad guys they killed the last courier they they like set fire to like this colony so they couldn't care for themselves and he said I'm taking over I'm the law now mhm and I think he gives a good performance this this guy is Zara um yeah he's he's good I like it
0: that gun, man. Like, I'm just wondering, like, where where that um the stun setting is, and where the kill setting is, because it just it looks like it's a blade or something. Like, do you like like do you put it like into blade mode to like charge it?
2: I don't know. To me, I think you just straighten it out so you can carry it better, and then you twist it so it turns into a gun.
0: Because like, so he he shoots cow. Okay and the dude starts like you know oozing blue goop and blood or whatever out of his eyes and I think it was nose and mouth right Yeah And but it looked like like the the gun got like warmed up too quick and it kind of like stalled on itself and like he kind of cocked it back into like this blade mode and then like he cocks it back into a gun mode, I don't know how else to describe it, and then starts shooting again.
2: Oh, I just, I didn't even think of that. I just thought, you know, you put it in straight straight mode as opposed to bent mode. Mm-hmm. So straight mode is just so you can carry it. You can like stick it in your holster or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's all I got from it.
0: And and then like, you know, it, I, I again, like, there's not much in the way of like the tail, like with buttons and Like how it works and stuff, so we don't know that. But I just thought it was kind of interesting, and I'm probably getting ahead of myself. That he can go and go boom, boom, like with one or two pulses or whatever at Cal, and the dude's dead. Of course, he's gonna have a different physiology than humans. I'm giving it to him. But Giorgio, she eventually shows up, and she gets shot like, like what five, six times? times
2: three or four times at least I, I I was like that same thing it's like if you take the amount I know he hits Cal with one like continuous long blast and he hits Georgie with several smaller blasts but if you add up the amount of time that Cal was hit and the amount of time that Georgie was hit it's probably about equal maybe even more for Georgiou. Mm-hmm. right and I'm like is this just plot armor that Georgiou has here? Mm-hmm. And the answer is obviously yes, but it really, you know, didn't. I didn't like that at all. How she was just like, my whole plan is to get shot, and by getting shot, I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna like put my plan into motion.
0: Hmm. And
2: uh,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Get. Yeah. And and she and she did all like she got shot all those times like. Like I get, I, I get it. There like, was
2: no lingering effects.
0: Exactly, there was no lingering effects. Like, you get shot. Like, I don't care how mu- much you got shot. Like, if 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 you got shot by a pellet gun, my man, like a pellet gun, okay, you would probably still be wincing a little bit, and that's a tiny little little bitty little thing. This is like a friggin' plasma gun thing that's like penetrating like hardcore and. And yet you're able to get up and start doing martial arts?
2: Well, it's like in any action movie where our hero gets shot like in the arm or in the leg and it's like he just like punches himself or something. He's like, oh, oh, I'm good. And he can go back to like running and fighting. It's like if you get shot, you are going to be in a lot of pain, okay? Remember remember in The Samaritan Snare? Let's go back to the Samaritan Snare, right? We just Mm -hmm. talked about the packlets not too long ago. (laughs) Right? Yeah. How many times does Jordy get shot with get shot with a phaser in that episode? A lot. Like four or five times? Yeah. And like they're like they're like really worried, like he needs medical attention immediately. And he's like in the fetal position on the floor because he's been shot so many times. Um, but now here, nope, George, you can just, you know, grit through the pain and do her martial arts.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were talking about it um, as we were starting this show, but, like, Die Hard. Like, I don't expect, like, any human to be able to do what John McClane did. But one thing that I liked about Die Hard, as it relates to, like, what we're talking about with Georgia, is that McLean, like, he walked on glass. He was hurting. I mean, you saw his his fragility, so to speak, um, in that first movie. And he still did what he had to do, but he wasn't at 100%. Now, do I want, like, real-world real world physics and things like that and, you know, like, this fragility kind of thing that we're talking about? Maybe yes, maybe no, but it just seemed very... Contrived and just really convenient that we just saw a dude get, get deaded, got killed, you know, with the same gun, and you get shot, like, basically the same amount of times, and you're able just to move along like nothing happened, just with a little extra makeup on your face.
2: Yeah.
0: I feel like I'm yeah. being annoying right now.
2: No, no, no. I thought the same thing during this whole episode and I'm like, nope, 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 that's not how it works.
0: <laughs> that's not how it <laughs> works.
2: That's ah! not how any of this works. <laughs> and like the whole time that this is happening, Saru is like, she gives Saru, he gives, she gives Saru a nod and Saru's like, I get it. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing and I'm, I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like, Tilly, get behind the bar. Yeah, and I will say when this fight broke out here I didn't like it Um, the ready room does a lot of time they spend a lot of time talking about the stunts and I had a lot of problem with all of the fighting in the last episode and I have a lot of problem with the fighting here and I don't think it's choreographed very well at all um, you know Michelle Yeoh was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and if you've ever seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the choreog- the fight choreography in that movie is amazing, and you're just looking at that movie the whole time like, <gasps> <gasps> like like you can't see me, Chase can see me, but like like when you're watching that movie, you're just in awe of how good the fight choreography is, and Michelle Yeoh is fantastic in that. But here, it's like, I didn't like it. I was reminded of the scene in, in Picard, episode one, where um, Dodge but- is fighting those those Romulans on the rooftop. And I said the fight choreography there was really weak. And I don't know if it's the same stunt choreographer, in stunt, stunt coordinator in both. I, I It might be. It might not be. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think it was very good at all.
1: Yeah.
0: And when I was watching it, I was like, "Oh, here comes a fight scene. I, I wonder what Eric's gonna think about this."
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm nothing if not predictable. Right?
0: <laughs> You're our official fight scene critiquer. What did I you sp- like?
2: Did you like it? Did you think it was good?
0: I didn't really think. I didn't really think too much of it. I, I mean, I didn't love it or hate it. Um, I liked. I like seeing Saru's little gills or whatever, like coming out his and needle, go his needle, needle. things. <laughs> That was cool.
2: They didn't seem to do very much. They're not very, like, deadly because it didn't seem like they hurt that guy very much. Mm-hmm. I did Whereas I seem to remember them being pretty deadly when he pulled them out before in the Sound of Thunder last season.
0: Mm-hmm He I, I liked the um Um It was after the fight, but I did like the whole again, Saru standing up to Georgiou, um, and I'm like, wait, is she about to blow his head off with that thing? The thing you know that shot her six times and she's still alive. He's gonna that she's gonna try and kill him with that that gun. Um, again, like the, these whole like ideals, these virtues, kind of resurfacing type of thing. Um, I li- I really like that scene, but like the whole like snapping of the necks. I'm like, okay, this is okay. And I was like, what? Yeah. What? Like why? With t- okay. This it, it's not meant to be a critique, but it's gonna come across as one. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet you a buck or six donuts that hand-to-hand combat is gonna be something that you learn in the Academy. any kind of like Starfleet training program you're doing, okay? Why I don't
2: think Kirk I don't think Kirk learned all his Kirk Fu on his own. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but like why? as an ensign now, would you not get in on that? Like, I I don't know. Like, that that was like a gripe of mine. Like, okay, you're an ensign. If you're a cadet, I'll give you a pass, but you're an ensign now, you're fully commissioned. You should be up in there helping your captain, air quotes, because he's not officially, you should be helping your captain for crying out loud. Like not hiding and cowering behind a bar, waiting for everyone to get knocked out just to smash him with a bottle. I don't know. I might be hyper... I, I that. I just think that, like, if you're part of a crew, you... You do what you gotta do, even if you don't like it.
2: Well, do you think this is Saru being the overly protective captain here? By saying, listen, get behind the bar and I'm, I'll protect you?
0: I mean, it could be, but, I mean, like... I don't know. I, I just didn't like it. It just... it 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 came off bad poorly yeah. to, to me
2: no i a, i can i can understand that
0: you're an ensign man like seriously like captain i mean like okay so it'd be like a colonel and a second lieutenant in any other branch like you were the lowest ranking person in the armed services even if you are a second lieutenant, whether you're experienced or not you're expected to get all up in the fray and and defend your your own not hide i mean you, yes you had to be strategic in in maybe hiding and getting cover but like i don't this that, that part like that part of of like that cantina fight scene was like the part that just rubbed me the wrong way like the like both viewings of it so I'm gonna leave that one alone for now. Um Okay, what else do we what else do we need to talk well, about?
2: Well well I, I as you were saying that when the fight ends, basically, um Georgiou goes up to, to try and kill that guy and Saru steps in, he's like, This is not who we are. Mm-hmm. We have to stand up for our principles and she's like, This is who I am And Saru is like, he's not backing down. And throughout this whole episode I mean I've said it I've said it before in this this is like the third time he's had to stand up to Georgiou and say I am the person in charge here not you we are going to do what I say and I am take I am in command and I really like that here and I said I hope that's not the only thing we're going to get between these the whole, only dynamic we're getting between these two this season I I hope but this then, Go ahead. No but then then Saru says to the to the surviving bartender he says we'll leave this guy in your hands you know he has not done us really any wrong he's done you wrong and we'll leave it up to you to administer justice and i really like that
0: do you think i like that too do you think jarju can be redeemed
2: don't. Um, I'm just so done with Georgiou. Like, I don't even know if I want a redemption arc from her. I just want her to go away. Because her story is over. As far as I'm concerned. Like, Ash Tyler's story was over, and we left him in the past. We could have very easily left her in the past as well. Like, she could have died in the fight with control or Leland at the end of season two. And that could have been her redemption right there is she was fighting Leland and, and she sacrificed herself to help save the crew and make sure they could get to the future. Like Mm -hmm. I would have been okay with that. And that could have been the end of her story. Mm -hmm. That could have been her redemption.
0: I was thinking about how part of what Gene Roddenberry wanted in the future was for basically everyone to get along Um, and that was what was important with the formula of the various shows and the the issue that a lot of the writers had was we need conflict to be able to make a show so that's like where like the the various races came in like the crew got along with each other but not necessarily with the aliens like that was how we looked at conflict was through the alien races and it's flipped now where maybe not completely but there's been more of a flip especially like with georgia and even with michael burnham uh whenever she's around like there's been like the whole conflict not getting around getting along kind of thing and i know that we saw like the less we we started to see that i guess in deep space nine uh for sure um but by, but for i'd say for the most part tng and kind of voyager uh we still like in the everyone's got to get along kind of thing but you still saw the conflict in voyager i mean especially with like the maquis and the and the federation but like th- that that was the thing that i'm noticing is like are we going to get back to a place where we get along with each other again um i mean that i'm just i'm curious like are we I mean, that was part of Gene's vision for the future is us getting along. And maybe it's something that we, we constantly have to fight for and work on um, through the good and the bad. Uh, it, it's just it's just popping up more and more. And I'm just wondering if this is the future that we're to expect from Star Trek.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, one thing that we saw early on in Discovery was that Saru and Michael did not get along at all. Um, uh, when they were on the Shenju, they didn't get along. And then in, when they got into Discovery, um, he was, Saru said, you're a fine officer, but you are dangerous. And it's my job to protect this crew and I'll protect them from you. But then we've seen like they're, I think that they're really good friends now. Mm-hmm. And like the two of them have really come a long way from where they were in the beginning being so antagonistic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The other thing I want to point out with this, with the cantina thing, is um, I realize the lighting isn't that big of a deal, maybe. But let's let's go in the way back machine to season one. Mirror universe people in their eyes, right? Like they have issues with like brighter lighting. So, what's the deal with Georgiou now? Like, does she somehow have this cure in her back pocket where she's okay now that she's, like, wandering outside in in natural light?
2: Oh, I think that was just a plot device they used in Season 1 to, like, like, hey, if you were paying attention, you would know this. You would know that this is not the real Orca, And I think that now that we don't have that here, I think they've just dropped that storyline. Sometimes storylines just get dropped.
0: Okay. That's what happens when you pay attention, though.
2: No, no. I mean, you're right, but I think that it was... I I totally think the only purpose for that in Season 1 was like, hey, if you were paying attention, you would have been able to figure Mm. this out.
0: Uh, Okay.
2: So my question is, do you think we're ever going to see this Zara again? Because they they said hey we're not gonna kill you we're not gonna throw you in jail just start walking outside like and we never see him die and I'm always like curious like if we never actually see someone die we can't be certain they're dead because Star Trek has had this problem recently of bringing people back from the dead and this guy's technically not dead do you think we'll ever see him again? Or I do. do you think this was just a one-off?
0: I think we'll see him again. I think he'll be probably the main antagon- um, antagonist throughout this show.
2: I definitely think we're going to see him again. Yeah. I would be shocked if we didn't see him again.
0: Look, we got 13 episodes of this season. And, I mean, this is only episode two. So a lot can happen in 11 weeks with a character. So I would not be surprised if he showed up. And I have not looked, I have not tried to look um, for how often his character shows up, but to me it would make sense if he showed up probably around season, er, sorry, around episode five or six again. And then, he yeah, re- like, and then he remains.
2: Like, I mean, like, uh... Rain Wilson, right? Yeah, with Harry... He showed it- up back up with Harry Mudd for mm-hmm. like the one episode, and then he's in a couple of the short tracks as well. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so everyone, we get the the thermos fixed, and we get our own little pocket p- protector transporter doodad thing.
2: Yep, just like just like Book had last
1: week. Yep,
0: and um, I think that pretty much, for the most part, wraps up the cantina, and we're back aboard the Discovery, and the main focus of this is Stamets and Reno. I would say.
2: Oh, we I thought I thought we were just going to ignore this whole B plot line.
0: Well, okay, can I want to I say this? Like I loved the interactions between um Culber and Stamets. I loved the heck out of them. Um, there was one line um, not with them, but there was a line where um, and you're my quote machine, so I need your assistance on this one, dude. Um they're they're sitting, uh, getting ready to go up the ladder to fix the accordion, um, MacGuffin thing, and she talks about like you know, you're you're not on your A game. You feel um, useless and whatnot, and that's a horrible place to be. And I thought that was like a brilliant line that she that she delivers. And I, as much as she annoyed the the crap out of me, in season two, like with her few appearances. I kind of enjoyed Reno in this episode. Kind of. Not a lot, yeah, but kind of liked her.
2: You know, I I love sarcasm, so her sense of humor is right up my sense of humor. Um, but I can see how that could be annoying to a lot of people. But you're right, she's like pain is a bitch and you know, not being able to to do your best is difficult thing to accept when you're not, when you're not fully on your a game. I get it. Okay. Like, and just admit it. Like, you'll feel better once you admit that you're not, you know, at your best. Mm-hmm. But I will say something real quick. When did Stamets and Culber get back together? Because the last thing that I remember from the two of them was Hugh moving out and saying I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know if I could be with you anymore because I've got to figure out myself and who I am coming back from the dead. And here in this episode, it's like they're just back together again. And Everything's all hunky-dory. When did that happen? Did I miss something?
0: I think I think it's just a, a fact of, like, the whole traumatic event that they're all going through, maybe. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Um, like, Culber sees his, his boy, you know, get really hurt and almost die. So maybe it's just that. Maybe it's just, like, the affections that they've had for one another that's just kind of resurfacing and maybe we'll get more of that development I hope sparse development like sparsely sprinkled in right? Um, I don't need like a whole episode dedicated to like what the heck happened to their relationship
2: Yeah, but I didn't miss the scene where they they reconciled, did I? I don't think so
0: I I don't remember
2: I I, I miss it?
0: (laughs) No, because like, I mean seriously, like he comes back um, Culber comes back like around the middle of season 2 and It's, like, the rest of it, he's having, like, this existential crisis of, like... Who am I now? Like, where's that scar that I had on my shoulder? You know?
2: Mm -hmm. And he moves out. He moves out of their quarters. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So I think think it's just part of, like, the grief and the trauma they're experiencing in the moment because, like, a giant piece of shrapnel went in his chest, and he's got to put Humpty Dumpty back together again.
2: Okay, because he's, like... You better make it out of that Jeffrey's tube alive. So I can kill because you. I, so you need to be healthy so I can kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I love
0: that. That was good.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, man. Well. Um, so I guess, like, they get back, they, they plug the things in, and they, they put the car... Co- Charging the
2: the ship up, right?
0: The thermos gets put back into its little receptacle. The accordion is all plugged in and ready to be played. I mean, the power is being restored, so we're good to go. And Kayla is at the helm, and she's kind of freaking out again. Like, we don't know what's going on, and that's okay. Um, And they're doing their best to get up out of this parasitic ice.
2: Like, I had a terrible thought as I was watching this episode,
1: hmm. and
2: it's a terrible thought. And if they do this, and, you know, I've said several times, if they do that, I'm taking my shuttlecraft and I'm going home. And they've never done it yet. Like, um, you know, I think the first time I said it was, if Commodore O was from the Mirror Universe and Discovery, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> and I said it last week, if the burn was, like, caused by Michael Burnham, like, I'm out. I'm going I'm leaving. So, Kayla has these cybernetic implants in her brain, right? Or in her head. We know we saw Control take over Arium. Like, if somehow Control found its way into um, Detmer, if they, if that's, I don't know, If I hope that's not where they're going, because if they do somehow, this was the terrible thought. I'm, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. I just had this terrible thought as I'm watching this: Is there something more than just a concussion, disorientation, some sort of PTSD? Is there something more going on here?
0: I don't. Maybe I'm looking too much into it, but you know, when we when when the scene uh, first opens at the beginning with Saru and company like all knocked out, Saru is like kind of on his side, and we see some like dust or whatever. Bouncing or I, I don't know whatever that is. It's moving So I was thinking two things One there's maybe some kind of remnant in that dust and maybe that got up her nostril And it's like inner noodle now and it's messing with her from like controller Like maybe it's like some remnant of control. Okay, that's one thing like with what you're saying Two and we don't learn about it until I think we get to the cantina, right? where we learned that there's this stuff, it's parasitic ice, and that it's gotten inside someone and wreaked havoc. So we didn't actually see the ice necessarily come into the bridge because everything happened, but perhaps there is some possibility that a piece of parasitic ice got up her nostril in her body somehow and it's doing something.
2: Okay, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, he did say that in the cantina. He said I've seen it go down people's throats and like eat them from the inside. Mhm. Hmm. That could be that that might be interesting, right? But like if it's control, I'm, I'm done. done. I'm
0: just I mean, I've enjoyed the android and the borg stuff, but can we just not like can we just can we just pump the brakes on that just for a little bit? Mm-hmm. You know, like we don't need to be afraid of technology, okay? Like, it's how we use it. But like, let's just let's just pump the brakes on the whole android synthetic life form thing for a hot second. I'm totally cool with Detmer. Like, she's got her her whatever to do whatever,
2: and her bionic eye. Yeah, right?
0: that's fine. I'm okay with that. No, not a not an issue in the least. I like Detmer from what I know of her so far, and. She made a huge impression on this episode with how she saved the ship, but let's just like leave like golems and Borg and et cetera, et cetera, alone for now. Let's just leave it alone. Amen. Let's bring it back like maybe in two or three seasons, maybe. I'll be okay with it then, but we need to really slow down these whole like synthetic storylines and. Anyways, I'll watch it regardless, but that's just my preference. Okay, I think we've talked about this episode enough.
2: No, 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 no we haven't. Like, okay, fine. There's just the, the final scene, right? The final scene. So they're trying oh, to rock the—they're yeah. trying to rock themselves out of the ice, basically, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like you're stuck in some ice, like, or you're in your driveway, and it's all snowy, and you're forward and backward and forward and backwards. Put it in low gear. Now put it in high gear, and you're I've, trying to work yourself out, right? I've done
0: that plenty of times at Camp Halakha, man. I'm just saying.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And you lived in Michigan. I did. Like I did. We got snow. You got to try to rock yourself out of it. That's right. (laughs) And all of a sudden, they're like, enemy ship coming in. And listen, if you did not know that that was Burnham coming in, like if you thought that that was actually an enemy ship, One, you haven't watched Discovery enough to know that it was always going to be Burnham that showed up. Two, you haven't watched enough TV or movies. Like, there was zero chance that was going to be anyone other than Burnham coming in at the end of the day. There was no chance that was going to be, like, another bad guy. It just was not going to happen. So if you were surprised by that, I would just say pay more attention. Fair enough. Like you knew it was going, you knew it was going to be Burnham, didn't you, Chase?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, like it had to be her.
0: If it wasn't going to be her, it would have been like the USS Enterprise Q <laughs> yeah, or something. She was not
2: going to be a bad guy. Yeah. Uh huh. And then what does she say? She says, "You're here. You've made it. I've been searching for you for such a long time." And they're like, "Wait, what? Are, what are you talking about?" She's like, "I can't. I got." She's first of all, she says. I got here a year ago.
0: Yeah, so like is that it looked like it was the same pla- so is it the same planet and something happened over the course of a year where the planet went boom and there's bits of it floating inside and outside the atmosphere?
2: Or are they just on the other side of the planet and right. they like they can't they can't get to the marketplace that we went to last week?
1: Mhm.
2: You know, cuz it seemed like they weren't on this planet for very long and Burnham got there pretty quickly. Right. And, you know, obviously we don't know what she's been doing in the past year, but, like, how did she find them so quickly, and how did she get there so quickly?
0: Yeah. And I don't want to be that guy, but, man, those hair extensions. I know we talked about, like, the, like, or not the hair extensions, but just, like, the long hair. I mean, like, yeah, it could have been, like, a stimulator thing that could have stimulated hair growth, but, like, women grow hair kind of slowly compared to guys. So that's like, a lot of hair growth that's, for a year it is a lot of hair growth for a year so I mean unless you get like a, a, a wig or something or you do a, what the EMH doctor did to 7 of 9 and just stimulated hair growth I mean I guess cool but a year man Ugh. then again we are almost a thousand years in the future so we don't know what you know hairdressing technology is all about a thousand years in the future so from where we came alright man well, I think we're, we're getting to the point where we need to start to wrap it up in terms of how would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10? If this is y'all's first time listening to um, an Engage episode, once again, um, this is not spoiler-free, now that we're at the end. Um, and two, um, Eric and I, we go on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being this was a dumpster fire to 10, this was a masterpiece, this was Amazing Trek kind of stuff. Um, so there we go.
2: I feel like both of these two episodes that we've seen here so far in season three are a marked improvement over basically everything we've seen in seasons one and two. I mean, seasons, season one has like one or two good episodes in it. Mm-hmm. Like season two has a couple of mo- more good episodes, but I definitely think we're seeing some growth in these this third season as you know star trek is want to do it's it gets better as we go along Mm -hmm. right for the most part right we've you've heard my thesis on that statement before um but i've heard a lot of people like imdb is simultaneously like the greatest place and the worst place at the same time (laughs) because you can find the opinions of random people on the internet but you can also find the opinions of random people on the internet. (laughs) 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 And I've seen a lot of people criticizing last week's episode because, oh, it wasn't a true Star Trek episode because there was no ship and we weren't in space or anything like that. And I'm like, there are a lot of Star Trek episodes that deal with one or two crew members on a planet and we really don't spend much time on the ship. And there was a lot of exploring in that episode. So I totally reject the idea that the first episode was not a Star Trek episode. I just want to get that out there. It felt like a really good Star Trek episode to me. and I was really high on the first episode. I gave it an Mm 8.7, which is really good. That's like, there's only one episode that I think is even better. One or two episodes I think is even better than that one. So I just want to state that. And then this episode also to me... Really does feel like a classic Star Trek episode, where we're coming to a planet, and we send a small little away team to visit a settlement, and you know we run into our issue, right? It's this is this is this is a Star Trek feel, like you're exploring a strange new world, mm-hmm. and it's not as good as the last episode. I don't think. Um, I really did like the last episode, like I really liked it. This is not quite as good, but this definitely is better than Season 1 and 2, and this this has a good Star Trek feel. I've criticized, you know, Discovery in the past for not feeling like Star Trek, but this really does feel like Star Trek to me. And I'm going to give this episode a solid 8. Okay. I think it drops down because I think there's bad CGI, and I think there's, like, really bad Like, I, like really bad CGI in my opinion like I'm shocked at how bad it looks and like the fight choreography is really bad and the B plot line like yes there was the one line that we talked about how pain makes you not on your A game but for the most part the B plot line didn't really work for me Mm -hmm. so I'm but I'm gonna give for that that ace that A the A plot I'm gonna give this a solid eight
0: okay okay right um so i think you and i are on the same page apart from like my viewpoint of the cantina um which we've already talked about <laughs> put that behind us um quick quick aside um help me out with an episode name eric there's um an episode of enterprise where um the crew are um they go they beam down to this planet And, um, I think it's like the leaves or something, um, mess with like the atmosphere and the ability to travel or it's a storm. And I think they try and beam someone out, but like leaves get like fused into like their body. Do you remember the name of that one off the top of your head?
2: It's called strange new world. Thank you. That's literally, it's called strange new world. And I believe it's, it's episode two. It's like the pilot episode. And then that's the next episode.
0: So that's what um that's what I was thinking of like whenever you're talking about like focus on the planet and being on the planet um as you were going through. Like that was the very first episode that came to mind. I know there's many others, that was just what what popped in my head. Anyway, um so like you, Eric, uh I did enjoy this episode. It's not as I don't think it's as strong as the the pilot episode. I think or not sorry, the the premiere episode of the season. So I I think that premiere episodes have to be strong to kind of pull us in and to keep us along for the ride and knowing there's going to be a little bit of a dip as we go forward. And it's going to do this number. But um, last time, I believe I gave um, the first episode um, an eight, eight and a half, I believe is what I gave it. For this one, it's still high. Um, It's like you, it's not as high as the first one. Um, I I really liked seeing Saru. I liked seeing the crew working together, um, like straight up working together. I thought that was a good point. And even even the character that annoyed the 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 crap out of me last season, I actually kind of appreciated her. And that was that was Jet Reno. Um, so I, I liked her. I liked her interactions with Stamets. I liked the back and forth, and I loved the comment about um, Bobcat there at the end. And Culber like Bobcat. I don't know. I'm high on drugs. Or, Something like that. that. That was great. I love that.
2: I like, she, call, she calls the guy cleaning up Leland Hazmat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> up on aisle five.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> um, so as much as I enjoyed the episode, I did have just some, like, eh moments with it. So, like you, we're in the same ballpark, and I'm giving this a seven and three quarters. So it's a 7.75 for me.
2: Okay. so That's fair.
0: Not too far off from, like, your eight. Um I think if if I gave it like a five and you gave it an eight, we'd have to have a serious conversation. But yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> so um, that's it. That's it. We gave our ratings. I,
2: well, there, I guess there was one more thing I just wanted to note. Um, it like I tend to skip through the opening credits, but like this episode when I was watching it didn't have like the the skip intro button. Like, you know, like in the bottom, like the skip intro pops up. Like this did, didn't have it for me when I was watching it. Like there was no skip intro. I don't. I thought that was really strange.
0: I don't have that option um, for me because oh, like, but- so I'll, I'll watch. So I have, I'll either watch it like on our smart TV where I do have that option or I'll fire up my PlayStation 4 and watch it through, the, through that way. Um, for some reason, I don't have the skip intro option ever whenever I watch it on my PlayStation 4. But if I watch it on my smart TV, I do. But I watch it so early in the morning, I don't want to wake up the family, so I plug it. I plug my headphones into my controller. That way, there's no sound coming through the TV. So, but yeah, I never have that option on my PlayStation ever.
2: Oh, but like I always skip intro, like because this Discovery intro is boring. But I noticed in the opening credits, um, Rachel and Cheryl. I hope I'm saying that right. Like God, I probably butchered it. Rachel and Cheryl as Commander Non is listed in our opening credits now. Hmm. whereas, you know, I I just thought that was interesting how sh- she's going to be like a full cast member now, which I like. Yeah, I
0: like Non. So I'm I'm looking for I'm looking forward to it. I and just wanted to
2: point that out.
0: And since you're pointing something out at the very very end um Unless I've missed it again before. This I'm I don't remember seeing the, the skirt, like the scant uniform prior in Discovery. I
2: th- I think she was wearing it in one episode. But was that was that
0: the two. was that the um the disco enterprise uniform though?
2: No, I think she was wearing it on the Discovery in season two, okay. in one episode.
0: I barely remember that then. But like,
2: she's definitely wearing like the, the the skirt here, not the pants. Yeah. So which for your for your chief of security, I think you should probably be wearing pants. Well, you know, you know, you can't chase after people, right?
0: You might be able to. I mean, it's the future.
2: Like, I mean, I've never worn a skirt, so I don't know. Like, can you run in them?
0: I think we need to do an experiment with Eric. <laughs> what listeners, what do you think? Should we should we do a YouTube video of Eric running in a skirt? I think we should
2: uh, no one wants to see that
0: I want to see that personally <laughs> no,
2: one, no one wants to see that
0: all right listeners this is what I really need you to listen to my listen to my voice right now okay and if you're seeing this on YouTube at all I need you to send us some hailing frequencies okay you know open up hailing frequencies send us a message tell us how much you do or don't want Eric to run in a skirt Fully bearded it's, and everything.
2: It's it's not happening. It's not happening.
0: I think it's gonna happen.
2: It's not happening. <laughs> nope. 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 All aboard the Nope train.
0: All right. All right, Eric. Well, I'll let you know whenever we need to to film that. Um, film you running in a skirt. That'd be great. Cross the field and.
2: Okay. Oh man. Get your friend oh, to do man. it. Is, is this episode over yet?
0: It's about to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for, for tuning in to this week's episode of Engage, um, as we've talked about Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 2, Far From Home. We'll be back next week to talk about more Star Trek Discovery Season 3 shenanigans. Um, so make sure you tune in this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. Let us know what you think. And, the, and there are different ways that you can support the show. You can support us by engaging in the comments, like leaving us a comment on like what you think, subscribing and liking our content, both with like Podbean or iTunes or wherever you might listen to this podcast, all the socials, things of that nature. Um, you can also support us financially on Patreon. Um, there are I think three affordable tiers that, um, that you have at your disposal. So, um, and you'll get some sneak peeks along the way of what we're, what we're coming up with. So if you've already financially supporting us, uh, thank you. Um, shout out to, um, Amanda Ryan and David Fogel, among others for supporting us financially. I'm sorry, Amanda Pollack. Um, she recently got married. So congratulations, Amanda, on your nuptials. Um, we're so ha- we're happy and, uh, for you and your nuptials. So um, other than that, if you do want to get in contact with us, you can go to trtvpod.com and check us out there. And um, contents there, ways to engage with us are there also. But if you also want to send us an email, you can do that by entering in coordinates trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute time limit and your comments may be used on a future episode. And finally, if you want to mail us something, like a skirt for Eric to wear, you can do that by making sure it gets to... Um, it'll get to us, but we'll eventually get it to Eric. Um, to the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, AZLE 76098. Folks, thanks for um, you know keeping us close and not going too far from home. Us. Um, as we leave here today, may you always remember to boldly go and make it so.